Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Hello you slacker, welcome to the third slacker podcast, my name is Phil Taggart, what's the crack? Are you good? Are you well? Good stuff. I'm an Irish man, six feet tall, and uh, the little toe on my left foot doesn't work anymore because of doing so many kickflips on the skateboard when I was a teenager. Didn't land all of them, but yeah, that's the injury that I bear. I'm currently recording this on a Saturday evening in Brighton, Uh, that's where I live, and I've been drinking tea and making Irish stew. It's probably actually burning while we're doing this right now and and yeah here we are with another podcast thank you so much for downloading it it means a lot i can't begin to tell you how much i was shitting myself putting this podcast out a couple of weeks ago but here we are people are listening to it now and yeah all that nervosa that you have when you you start a project from the very beginning has kind of gone away now because there's a lot of people listening to it and a lot of people downloading it and i i'm just yeah i'm just a little bit sort of bizarred out a little bit i don't think bizarred out's really a word but like yeah the second episode came out last week with wolf Alice and it saw the podcast go directly to number one on the music podcast charts and went straight into the top 40 in the sort of combined uk podcast charts which is insane because I, I thought like it might creep up to like you know the top five or something um towards the end of series one which will be like 16 episodes but yeah, it's really given me the confidence to like keep battering them out and keep working on them as much as I possibly can. Um, thank you to everybody as well for your reviews and subscriptions and um, all of the interaction that you've had 
with the podcast that's the reason it went to number one is because of the reviews and the ratings that you've been given it so if you haven't done so already and you enjoy the podcast um yeah it'd be amazing if you could give it five stars and review it that would be so cool um so on to this week's podcast we've had wolf Alice, we've had my street preachers you can go back and listen to them at any point this week we have got bastille and i suppose to be more specific with it we have got dan from bastille who is an absolutely wonderful human being uh, as wonderful in the flesh as he is on record and uh, i think i mentioned the podcast to him back in november uh, of 2017 when i was just sort of had the idea for the podcast and eventually we got around to recording it only um last week at the fetish dungeon studio in soho neither of us were wearing gimp masks neither of us were covered in rubber but listen there's there's time for that maybe we'll get get him back on and we'll do that i mean when in soho right he was in fine form though he was brimming with excitement at the prospect of the new album that they've got coming out uh he's just an incredibly infectious person to be around and chat to as well his brain is ridiculous it moves a mile a minute like you just have to try and keep up with him and here's a little tease of what we've got on the podcast i'm just not a natural at performing i really don't enjoy it very much and it took quite a lot for me to want to get up on stage it was a bit of an endurance poor little me you know like most people we really don't care about genre and i love yeah, pop, i love yeah. pop music and i see like you know i see some of the biggest nirvana songs as like amazing pop songs so my definition of what pop is is like is what i see it as and what i think most people see it as but but yeah and so because of that we've had songs that have crossed over into like the mainstream world and a lot of others that, <laughs> that haven't mm. It's just this really odd point where like people write about us online, but the the UK press just seems to sort of avidly ignore us. You know, radio wasn't really a thing at the time for us either. Why did that change? <laughs> yeah, no, we've been lucky. So right here we go. Hitch up your britches, slackers. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I give you. Dan from Bastille, I better turn my phone off here as well. There we go. How are you, Dan? You're right. I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. As as I like rush to do the same. I was like trying to see who mew, who, mew. <laughs> who put it on airplane mode first. <laughs> we were just figuring out that like that I didn't even have the I barely had the concept for this podcast about a year ago in October 2017, and I asked you to be on it before I even sort of really knew what it was. I was like, oh, there, hey, Dan, do you want to come on my podcast? We bumped into each other on the train. Yeah, that's right. I think we were coming back on a day after bonfire night. It was day after bonfire night. I'd just been to Lewis, where my mate's mum lives. My mate's mum and dad live there, and they have, obviously, the annual world-famous Lewis uh, fireworks display and yeah. procession through the town, um, which is potentially one of the one of the most surreal and bizarre things i've seen in my entire life it's mad pagan vibes yeah properly yeah real wicker man meets kind of modern political commentary meets kind of questionable questionable makeup <laughs> meets meets like i don't know like i remember the, the most surreal thing was seeing a particular swathe of the procession um was dressed in elizabethan outfits and there was a there's like a baby toddler two year old in a pram full elizabethan dress holding a flaming torch what? <laughs> and I felt like oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I filmed it obviously 2017 yeah. um, 
just just because I I was I'd had a couple of drinks and I was like, am I am I seeing things? Is this is this happening? Real, this Did somebody real? put something in my drink? <laughs> and it's funny when you get like you get so used to firecrackers being thrown um, all over the place and in your general direction that it just becomes completely normalised. Like flaming torches, um, big paper mache images of Trump being fucked by like a missile with like King Kim Jong and like sort of straddling it and firecrackers and flaming torches just become completely for the night you're like you become desensitized um <clears throat> anyway bumped into you the next day probably it was a bit, probably a bit of a letdown <laughs> after after all of the activity that you had the night before you're like right phil where's all your fireworks yeah and but, but political <laughs> satire and commentary yeah. <laughs> um but yeah we will we finally we finally got it together yes um indeed. and yeah i've, I've asked you to come on because now i've got a concept of it and i've got a name for it I thought, right, well, I get some awesome people on and kind of hear the early demos and see, see hear what they sound like. Because I always think it's kind of interesting to see where it began and where it is now. Yeah, and it's definitely different, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. We had like we had a sort of interesting path to kind of where we where we're at and that wherever the fuck we are now. Um, we had an interesting path here, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've just been slightly like, on the way in today. I've got you're you're cagey around these demos because I know you've got a couple of them that you can play. But uh, do, well, do you want it? Do, do you want like a selection? But the thing is, I think we have to pick one, and we're only allowed to play a clip of it. I'm just sorry, sorry to be like slow. I'm just really debating how embarrassing I want to go because there's some real. <laughs> I was like listening on the way in, just like what you know that feeling of a cringe. If you can sustain that for three and a half minutes. Play um, play one of them and see how you feel afterwards. And if you didn't like that one, then we'll try another. How about that? It's so embarrassing. Go on. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Put the loop head on. It's really like dramatic. I will never look the way you do, and I will never do the things you want me to. But I will never write the way you do. And it is very plain to see. You want alchemy, right alchemy. You want alchemy. You want alchemy, right alchemy. You want alchemy. Whoa! And then it goes full like, <laughs> like muse in a minute. Yeah. This is dad playing it off his phone right now. Oh god. I, I, I quite like it. Shut up. I'm not blowing smoke either. Like, I'm trying to put, picture myself as a teenager listening to this. I'm clearly a big fan of that word, right? That was a, a demo from Dan Smith called Alchemy. Oh. That that is a song that was clearly written by a teenage boy. That was it, it so is angsty. it is yeah. thrusting with puberty. <laughs> it, yeah, it really. Is. It's got dubstep breakdowns because like when was that written? Like what year? That would have been like, like ten years ago. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it was it was basically when I was at uni. I used to go to I used to go to Leeds, and we used to go to like this is gonna really date me. We used to go to, <laughs> we used to go to like a dub night, like pre. Yeah. It was sort of when dubstep was kind of happening. But, but, sort of. But the nights that we go to were like it was proper, 
it was it was like proper original dub like sort of really heavy bass like half time like sort of coming out uh-huh. of reggae and um it's kind of yeah. before dubstep before dubstep yeah, yeah yeah i mean it wasn't i'm not saying we're not talking full on like i didn't I, I didn't predate dubstep but it was like there was a point <laughs> there was this one like really fun night every every month at the west indian community center in leeds in chapel town that me and my mates used to go to um <clears throat> Uh, pretending that we knew what we were listening to, or or, or that we were remotely that's, that's, remotely cool, but it was it was like one of my favorite. It's like one of my favorite nights. It's um, the glory of being a student, but and it was brilliant. It was so good. Like the 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 sort of um, the cross section of the night was like old ravers. They'd be like they'd be like these like re- this like re- I remember this really large woman with her string vest with nothing else on underneath it wow. and, and like strong and look dragging certain things along the floor with her when she walked and and uh and yeah and like all, all the sort of all like all the guys that were just members of the west indian center and then like a loads of students and then like loads of <laughs> loads of like underage kids i always from, quite like, like that cross section it was like a real yeah it was like it was a real intersection so of that of, of that course. educated the the dubstep side of um alchemy but then there's the other side which is like you know that sort of kind of classical arpeggio style of that muse would do around their origins of symmetry yeah and absolution definitely an element of that it was like a, such a weird mix of like having having heard a bit of muse growing up our drummer woody is there like his absolute favorite band incredible band um and yeah no they are they're they're they're, they're, they're pretty impressive but your, your chops like your musical chops had to be pretty bang on i think they were but unfortunately one of the things in in I remember there was like a real moment when we when we started the band. I mean, we were like rehearsing in little like little rehearsal room in West London that we used to rehearse in, and in Croydon actually as well. And the guys were like, because I just I just I'm just not a natural at performing. I really don't enjoy it very much, and it took quite a lot for me to, I mean, for me to want to get up on stage was a bit of an endurance. Poor little me. Um, you you seem to have like got got through it fairly well. It's all right, you know. Yeah. Right. Performance anxiety never really leaves you. Like I've no. still, I've still got it. Do you bit. still have it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's it's, it's one. Of, I mean, whatever. It's one of those things. I'm sure everybody experiences it. I think it's. But there are some people who just really, I think, enjoy attention and want to be up on stage. See, I, I I I quite like that as well. But I also I saw I <laughs> I'm kind of like in the middle ground where I quite like being the center of attention. Like admittedly, mm-hmm. but also kind of have to be pushed up. Do you know what I mean? You're like you. You sort of like faux resist oh, for a minute. Oh, oh, me, oh me! Oh me! Me! Okay. Oh, okay. Away I go. You, and then you like, want me to be absolutely hilarious and completely yeah. um, make you all fall over? Yeah, sure. It's fine. I've, I've, um, I've written my gags. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good, like, it's a what well, was, it's a well-recorded what, demo. And it like, is, yeah. No, it was that was more that was like definitely more than demo. Basically, I used to, so I used to play. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Sorry, but I used to play with just me and a loop pedal. I had a piano. I had this this kind of ridiculous setup. I had this. I'd started making demos, like bedroom demos, and when I was at Leeds Uni, and, and my mates entered me into this competition that I ended up winning. And as part of winning, you had to do a comp- you had to do a, a, a gig. It's battle battle of the bands kind of vibe. It was it was just, it was actually really cool. This thing that Leeds Leeds City Council used to do. My mates are in a band called To Kill a King, and we've toured with them a lot. I know them. We've we've done a lot of touring with them and a lot of recording with them and they their previous iteration was called Kid Id and they were when we were at uni we used to go to their shows like two three times they a week. They were the band. Yeah, well they were our band. They yeah, were, and yeah they were the band to us and they were 
and they still very much are but you know we used to go to their shows all the time and and ralph the lead singer who's a really good mate of mine sort of really encouraged me to i i i sort of probably under a lot of duress would play people the odd bit of music that i've recorded at home uh and was always really embarrassed about it like it just wasn't it was something i did for me like i feel never. like i got a glimpse of that there now when you were playing <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> it was like this does not need to be shared ever <laughs> outside of my head and i think you know i think that's what music is for so many people and that's what's interesting about you know in over the last like 10 years or whatever with 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 the advent of youtube and people sharing their lives i feel like people feel much more comfortable with sharing mm. sharing like a window into their bedroom and into the music that they make and the things they do in private and i wonder if if back then if things had been as they were now if i'd have like my youtube channel with my covers and all that kind of stuff and like, I, I don't think i would have do you think I was so? so i don't know like I, I i think a lot of people can say a lot to a computer screen that they can't say to a face, you know. Yeah, maybe, to maybe. A webcam, and or there's whatever. probably something about recording music where you're like, you can, you can put it down and let it be its own thing and separate yourself from it. I don't know, but I wonder. I, I, I've got an idea. But so I'd made this music, and, and basically, my yeah, my, my mates had previously had won this competition. It was wicked, actually. It was Leeds City Council did this thing where ten, I think ten or fifteen people every year would win. And it was what, it 10 was ten or fifteen people. How many people entered it? Fuck knows. But like it was it was <laughs> twenty, which I think is really nice because it's like, I guess it was like a tiny, tiny, mini version of the, the Lee's Mercury Prize in that like it's more about everybody that's involved. Yeah, than yeah. The one person, um, and I mean that's a really lofty comparison to make. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the Mercury Prize. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, you just had the music. Um, it what, was, what did you end up winning? Uh, well, everybody wins. Like you do a photo shoot, and looking back at it now, like it whatever but it was like a day in a studio a photo shoot um See, that's that's really beneficial to and you band. did like an interview and basically whatever the leads equivalent of timeout that month they ran the little interview the photo of everybody and there was a cd on the front with the 10 tracks on it or the 15 tracks on it and then everybody had to do a gig they do these three three gig three band bills and you'd have like 50 tickets to sell. And it was like the Favisham. I was at the Favisham, which for me at the time, I used to go see shows there all the time. It was like a real venue. Whoa. Um, I don't really get the vibe that that happens as much anymore. Because like about 10 years ago, that did seem to be a thing. My, the band that I was in won a couple of Battle of the Bands. Yeah. One, the first one that we did, we won three Easter eggs and there was four of us. That was like up? a 14-year-old one. Oh. Yeah. Uh, like you were just hoping the drummer was lactose intolerant, <laughs> <laughs> and then but like 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 you said, like we won um, studio time and a little bit of money and a photo shoot and all the rest. Of yeah, it. it's mad going out in your first photo shoot. What well, I mean, my, mine was also at the time like I I can't really emphasize how much I wasn't wanting to be an artist. Like I didn't even know what the word artist. You didn't have was. stars in your eyes at that. Not stage. at all. And also like I had some some I had some bedroom demos. One of them had been entered. And I'd never done a gig before. Like, I'd never even done an open mic. So, basically, this... Shit, this is I your think, first I, one? I think my friend entered me without telling me as well. And I ended up being one of the 10 winners, which was uh -huh. obviously, like, kind of amazing at the time. But it it just forced me to think about... Do, I had to, like... It forced me to do my first gig. So, I had to figure out, like, how, do you do how am I going to do... Because I used to layer up loads of... You know, it was just me in a bedroom. So, I used to layer up loads of like, any percussion I could find and harmonies and keyboards and whatever. And, like, lots of my own vocals. Much like we still do, but... I was like, right, how am I going to do this by myself? It was the, the idea of getting a band together wasn't even like. And there's so much that can go wrong with loop pedals Dude, and all that tell sort me about of stuff. It. So as I well. so I did some research. I actually was working in a bar. I was working in the uh, the refectory, which is a bar at Leeds Uni, and and so I was watching all these gigs every night, like just pouring pints, uh -huh. and I was seeing um oh my god, what's her name? Oh, 
Black Horse and the Cherry Tree. Um, ooh, ooh. What's that? That was a terrible scene. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, you're like, I have no idea. You just barked down the microphone. Oh, what's her name? She's really famous. Um, what, she used to, what's she, she famous for? She had a song like Suddenly I See. Suddenly uh, I See? Yeah, yeah. Suddenly I See. Oh, God. I'm glad Who we both it? did some singing on this. Katie Tunstall. Katie Tunstall. She did a gig at the refectory, which I was working at. And she used the loop pedal, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know it existed. So I was like... This is pre-Edge here and everybody as well. Oh, yeah, it was actually. It was probably about the same time as... Mm. Probably about the same time he was starting out. Um, and, so the, and so I basically got a loop pedal, had to figure out in like a couple of months how to use it. Um, I, was, I had, it <clears throat> had a limited number of inputs, so I was like looping my keyboard, anything I could get through the mic, and just, you know, it was... It was pretty basic yeah like the technology was pretty basic and it was did pretty... you do a warm-up like in your house or oh yeah so i, like I used that? to practice like, a bunch i did got it, mom and dad i went, down to I went out and did a couple of open mic nights with my friend playing guitar like just to, just to try and get kind of warmed up uh-huh. a place called dr woos in leeds that i think doesn't isn't called dr woos anymore but like basically used to go there with all my mates i think the entire crowd would be my mates and i would just sit at the back yeah, until I... it was my turn like rocking in a chair, downing drinks, just, just like a bucket sweating, of sweat, yeah, a luge. It's like like you're sweat. about to go into war, like you're on the plane on the way over. Yeah, and I'm sure everybody, all my mates, are probably thinking like, why is he, why is he doing this to why himself? It, yeah. So I did these open mics, and they, they were like, they were fine, and it sort of all led up to this, led up to this gig, and I sold the tickets, and everyone, you know, everyone came, and it was, you know, it's just me and this, me and me hunched over this piano, not able to look in the direction of the crowd, and you know, playing these songs with these weird loops that kind of just got bigger and bigger and bigger and probably were feeding back horribly. And I don't know, like I, I kind of, I did it and and I hated it, but then something in me kept doing it. Like I, I kept trying. I used to get this thing as well. Like, it's like self-flagellation like, in yourself. Yeah, it was bizarre. I need I to do get, this. I remember, I was, this just brought this. This back a memory. <laughs> I, I, I used to get like, um, I used to get this thing called redneck when I was really scared, where like I'd get this like mad rash that was like bright red <gasps> halfway across my face and all down my neck. Is that um, is that like a diagnosable thing or is that just like I mean, sort of redneck like a, is my term for it? I'm not thing. sure. I'm not sure if there's. A, I'm sure there's an official official term for it. But yeah, I know people who get like red faces when they like drink like booze that are allergic to or something like that. Is that rosacea or something? Ro- yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Like I know. I mean, a lot, I think I think it's like the that. I think it's like the terror equivalent of that the ter- terror <laughs> rosacea that sounds not- like a metal band right there <laughs> yeah not to be dramatic or anything but um yeah i don't know that's sort of, of terror for me that's kind of where it all started and uh yeah i went on and, and, and moved, back, I, moved back to london after uni and yeah i guess then when you're doing it yourself and you feel terrified there's nothing that makes you feel a little bit more secure in yourself than having other people around you to play with you like i bet you you'd struggle to go back and do that even again now after being with a band for such a long time right yeah this i'm actually this year um i spent a bunch of this year in the states not a bunch like a week but (laughs) doing doing kind of for the first time in ages doing a bunch of radio promo it's just me and a piano doing these songs um did you miss your friends? I you miss my friends so much. Yeah, it was really weird. You like I interviews mean, weren't as fun, were they? They were so boring. Like yeah. just, you know, much much like how I'm being now. But like, <laughs> um, it's it, yeah. It was like I, you get so used to, you know. Obviously, you get so used to just being with each other all the time and and hanging out all the time and and well, just chatting bit, rubbish, and you fall into like a bit of a groove, and then suddenly it's just you. I was like, oh, wow, so it's definitely a more efficient way to do interviews, but yeah, um, it's it's not it's not as much. I like I've I've interviewed you guys a couple of times before, and I've like you know seen interviews from you a lot, 
and you definitely do like to like wind each other up and like answer i, I i'm a big fan of like lying to the person that you're asking <laughs> yeah. to as well there was a question when i was doing a little research earlier on and you were like what is the song currents about and you were like it's about water and raisins <laughs> it's about raisins and pineapples yeah <laughs> <laughs> you get quite bored doing all that sort of stuff but, but yeah like i get getting get, I just i think we we struggle we struggle to be we struggle to talk about what we do um, in a way that takes itself seriously. That's gang mentality, though. Yeah, isn't it really it? is. Like you're, when you're with your friends. It's easier for you to be serious to them in the studio, but when it's sort of like you're breaking down the fourth wall, it's a little bit weirder. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I think some some people, are, I, I sort of look at some of the other people who are around at the moment who, who are so brilliant at articulating, you know, what what they do, what their intentions were, and it kind of elevates almost what they've done to another level. And and I just I, I've sort of thought about it for about five minutes. And like then, who? I don't know. Maddie from 1975 seems to like know exactly what he wants to talk he's, about. When he's he's so it. articulate yeah. when it comes but he, to but it. He's and been like that since the first interview I've ever done with him. He has, and he's very good. He's very good at like steering. Steering he can out. be sincere in a way that nobody else can. Yeah, he's been because, doing it for, since the start. And then he can flip it and completely like be, make it hilarious yeah, like, yeah, yeah which is which is a real a real brilliant skill to have but then i look you know like looking at christine the queen's christine the queen's recently yeah she's, she's, she's like she's great. so brilliantly articulate and in a way that doesn't seem to be isolating for people um and manages to sort of very very kind of succinctly talk about quite deep and profound topics she's incredibly intelligent yeah and and you know i i, I always get like a little bit like sort of fanboy when i'm watching somebody speak sense in another language because oh, like she's more articulate than i am and english is my first language I know, I know. and i'm just like where the fuck was i in school <laughs> what the fuck no. was i doing with french or irish or spanish class yeah, was no. on like it really it really uh it really puts us to shame well when, when we whenever we play in another country um which luckily is is a fair amount i always i was sort of i don't know i was i was making effort to write out a page phonetically write out a page of stuff <laughs> to say on stage you should you bound to have got that wrong a i mean of times. all the time bonjour all the time. Paris. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean my like my uh, my my english accent is barely functional let alone me trying a sort of like i don't know eastern like many eastern european can you languages. do russian uh spasiba is thank you in russian that's all I can remember. I think learning thank you across the world is is pretty pretty. Yeah, okay. please and thank you, hello. We I I try my memory at the best of times is pretty terrible, but I I mean it's it's interesting in like in Asian countries um, and in a lot of sort of Eastern European countries. Just it's such it, it's such there are such different sounds. To get yeah, the yeah, like you. So so I'll be sitting there with the promoter, sort of help trying to get help in translations, and, and they're kind of saying it to me. I'm repeating it back. They're like, "That's so wrong." You're and trying then, to like <laughs> hit the back of your throat, or and then and then and then trying to articulate that phonetically on a page, having heard it twice, and then hoping that an hour later, when you're on stage in front of however many people, you're going to be able to read it off the page, <laughs> and it's going to bear any resemblance to what um to to, to what that person. There's said nothing to you. that can offend um people than getting their culture completely and utterly wrong, or saying the wrong place name. Like I was at Oxygen yeah. years ago. And Snoop Dogg kept saying "Hello Dublin," and it was in a place called Punchestown, and yeah, it didn't go down well. I mean, I remember. We I mean, if you boo Snoop Dogg, like you're gonna boo anybody, right? Yeah, fair, fair. How did he respond? He didn't care. Do you, I'm sure he, he didn't care. We played. He probably um, didn't know what was going on. <laughs> we played recently. We a couple of years ago. We played at V Festival, and it was it was quite a mad build to be on. It was us, then Sia, and then Justin Bieber was headlining. And, um, so pretty underground then, right? Yeah, pretty underground, pretty you know, pr- pretty unknown. <laughs> um, and and I remember like 
watching Sia and then watching Justin Bieber because I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have an opportunity in my life to watch this man play a gig again. So I we all we all watched a bit and various people lasted for various lengths of times. But you know, I was like, you know, I'm gonna you're a believer. Go. You can, I'm a, yeah. you can, you can last. He can make a believer out of me. Um, he'd just been flown in on a helicopter and he kept saying in Essex like, "Hello London, oh, hello London," and then no. even better. When when the when the other V happens the next day, you're outside zone five. <laughs> <laughs> Technically not true, Justin. Um, then when, when, yeah, when he was the the other the other V, which was in, in like the Midlands, he I also must have just got helicoptered in from London because yeah. he kept saying hello, London. <laughs> I was I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Keep, keep saying it. Keep saying it. Maybe like he'd lip. It's going down really well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'd like, like he had everything pre-recorded to the point where even his ad libs were pre-recorded, <laughs> and it was yeah. just like "Hello London," and he's just sitting there like my minute. Even his mid-song banter was. Yeah. A lot of pop artists of mine don't like, like when they go and do those big shows. Like, I have you ever had to do that? I think I think oh, we haven't. No, I think there's. Because you're in that sort of world where you can cross into pop and you can cross into indie very easily into both. Yeah, yeah, we straddle a really bizarre line, which I fucking love to be honest, because it's it's. I don't know, know too many. I can't even think of that many uh, artists that can do the same thing. Yeah, who knows? I mean, like you know, like most people, we really don't care about genre, and I love yeah, pop, I love yeah. pop music, and I see like you know, I see some of the biggest Nirvana songs as like amazing pop songs. So my definition of what pop is is like is what I see it as and what I think most people see it as. But but yeah, and so because of that, we've had songs that have crossed over into like the mainstream world and a lot of others that, <laughs> that haven't. Mm. But it does put us in a bit of a weird spot, which, you know, in like I just, the, the bill I just mentioned, you know, being before Sia and and, and before before Justin Bieber, and then we'll do another bill and we'll be between like De Antwort and Korn, like in, 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 in like a Russian festival or, you know, yeah. it's just bizarre. And it's, you know. Which for, crowd's easier? <sighs> No, actually, that like those two extremes are both really tough. Yeah, because like you know, having travelled for like fifteen hours down a bumpy road to end up in this like desolate beach in the furthest point of Russia, four hours outside of Krasnodar, to play to like really hairy, angry-looking corn fans <laughs> who are like leaning on the front barrier, just giving you the most—they're just looking at aggressive you. death stares. They're like, "What are you? Are you even human?" They're, they're like, "I'm not even going to go back to the." bar for a beer <laughs> yeah I'd, i'm just i'd rather I'm just i'd rather shit my pants <laughs> staring you in the eye <laughs> than even walk to the bar because if i walk to the bar and buy a drink now i'm technically paying while you're playing which is not yeah. something i'm comfortable no with. they're just like use, use the empty glass to, to wing wing the, oh, wing wing the, the whiz. whiz when they piss our way yeah, yeah. Wing the whiz. but then but then like the, then the flip side of that is like when back when, when i remember really early doors we played I don't know why I keep saying V as if it's the only festival we've ever played because it's it's like probably the least festivaly festival that there is. But um, <clears throat> I remember getting there and running to see like Jamie T in a tent, and within like five seconds of being there, just being covered head to toe in beer and we. Yeah, that's just how it works. That's just and how then, festivals go. And then like I think a couple of years later, we played on like a tiny little stage, and Rihanna was playing. And we went to go watch her like in the main stage sort of arena, and and it was like day one. I think we were camping that weekend, and. Um, yeah, like four songs in, you just feel the sort of slosh on your face, and you're like, "Oh, that's not fizzy, and it's <laughs> definitely nothing, warm." I, that and, you're like, and you're like, "I'm here for the weekend, and there's no shower happening." I was like, "Oh," yeah. but that's just one of those things. You like, it's what's amazing about festivals. And it is weird that like I feel like the wee thing, it feels very V and and potentially a bit red in your leaves. But you know, I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't get that at Glastonbury. I got, I got it at Liam Gallagher. 
Did you? Where? Where was he playing? Uh, he was playing in London, right, like uh, over the summer. Definitely got hit with piss. Oof. Definitely. And there was a guy standing right beside us who was completely naked. Wow. Big, big fat guy, completely naked, nothing on whatsoever. How did he get to he that was, point? And he was just sitting smoking cigarettes. Was it a really hot day? And he wasn't even making, he wasn't even making, going, hi guys, look at me, I'm naked. He was like, I'm I'm big fat naked guy. Well, I'm glad he was cool with it. He was, he was absolutely cool with it. Because you wouldn't be like that if you were self-conscious, <laughs> would you? If you were... Self-consciousness was a part of who you yeah. are, you just wouldn't... Just, just a little bit. Good so on like, him, good on him. It's been a hot summer. Phil Tiger. Slacker Podcast. It's the Slacker Halftime Interval, and at this point, I'd like to thank you for listening and let you know that your fire exits are here, 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 there, and there. And if you spontaneously combust on the second half of this podcast, please make yourself known to one of the members of staff and make your way outside without a fuss you see what i mean about dan's mind racing a mile a minute i really 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 enjoyed the chat with him uh, if this is the first episode that you've listened to uh welcome along to the slacker podcast we're going to be doing this every week for about 16 weeks of season one uh we launched a few weeks ago and there are other other episodes out there for you to hear one with manic street preachers one with Wolf Alice. Um, yeah, they're both really good. And if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter uh, or say anything to me, give me a load of abuse or whatever. It's at Philly Taggart on both. Only one out on Philly. In the second half with Dan from Bastille, we get into the democratization of music, the old porn studio they recorded in, toilet circuits, MySpace, heinous injuries, and all the rest. You know, all the good shit. Let's delve back in. What was the first band or artist you remember ever getting into what was the one you can remember sort of jumping about as a mad little kid too i don't know i like the first single that i ever owned my sister got me was um killing me softly by the fujis and then and then we got the score and i remember just listening to that like on repeat like so much when i was a kid and i just loved it i loved like lauren hill's voice but then also i used to listen to like i remember like loving like Bridge Over Troubled Waters by Simon and Garfunkel when I was kid, which is quite like potentially quite odd taste. I I definitely then like my teenage years had like a kind of metal phase that didn't stick with me. Yeah, um, I had a metal phase. The only thing that stuck with me in that metal phase is Metallica. I think I still quite like Metallica. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair. Um, what about you? What was your first? What was your first like? I mean, if I think, was, I think if I'm completely it was, honest, it was a Mr. Robbie song. It was Queen. It was Queen Radio Gaga. Oh and, yeah, and, and then, Queen, it, course, and then yeah, yeah. I think it might have been like that's not the, the the age of it. Like I, that came out a little bit like way before. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I, I feel like for me, I don't know about you, but like a lot of the music. That I remember hearing is like in the house or like in the car, and it would be CDs that mom and dad would have on the on repeat. Yeah, man, like John Denver and the, the Eagles. Yeah, but bits of the Eagles. Fleetwood Mac. It'd be like Fleetwood Mac, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, yeah, like Queen, or like the great like, like greatest hits collections of like Queen or Elton John. It's basically or... the like albums that are glove compartment albums in your <laughs> in your car. So like the equivalent of that now would be like Adele. Yep. Sam Smith. Yep, 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 yep. Coldplay. Yeah. You two. I mean, you two have kind of straddled the glove compartment album for a, quite a long for time. A while, there's yeah. always there's always one in somebody's car somewhere. Yep. True. Very true. What so like you get into that and then you like we've talked about like how you got into the band. What 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 do you think of um When I think of like influences and stuff. Yeah. Early on. Well early doors I remember like I because I could only play piano and like I used to play and I, like I said it was kind of a very Are you great at it? No, fuck no. I wish. I also so my point I was trying to make earlier, which was ages ago about when we were rehearsing, was basically when the band started, the guys were like, Look, mate, I used to be so embarrassed about being on stage that I used to I used to Will, our bass player, would stand at the front in the middle and me, the lead singer, would sit behind a piano pretty much with my back turned to the audience singing like hunched over the piano. It's kind of like what Bob Dylan does now. <laughs> yeah, for very different reasons. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, they were like, mate, you've, you, like, if you've, no one wants to see someone looking like they want to not be here um, and looking as uncomfortable as you. That, so there, there was a big like drive. I say big drive. They asked me to stand up and sort of just try and be a front man and so i've sort of like we made a concerted effort for me to i guess play less a bit less piano and uh as a result i just play less and i've gotten so much worse <laughs> I, I don't have the self-discipline to practice the piano and like, is that why you jump about so listening, listening back to those demos i'm like god i used to be able to like sort of i mean i wasn't good but Sh- i could at least shred like a little bit like a little bit of shred yeah but anyway it's a shame i've got i've got my worst what are we talking about i just is that was I that just... why you is that why you jump about so much when you're yeah when you're massively it's just like, it's a distraction you tactic. can't you can't stand still i i am i am sort of quite uncomfortably kinetic on stage i think just because you know it started with me i was just trying to distract myself because i'm not not having an instrument to play i just i would run into the crowd or like i'd just jump around or i'd climb up on stuff i used to <laughs> used to get stuck a lot promoter's on top of, best friend oh god yeah i used to get stuck on top of speakers i used to trip up and fall over i'd get stuck off the stage what's um, your worst injury worst injury we were playing a little tiny gig in um bush hall in london in london yeah and um i ran into the crowd and then ran back in, into the foyer at the back up the stairs and up into the balcony and I was trying to get up I was basically trying to climb over the balcony and hang down um, <laughs> I mean you're thinking like oh Bastille music I wouldn't think of that um, and, and basically so I, I got up to the front of the balcony and I, I kind of jumped over and as I pulled my as my, my foot flew around it knocked the drink out of this girl's like oh, hand slash face no. and I, so I was sort of like hanging off from this balcony being like Apologizing. trying to sing because the song doesn't have any breaks in it and being like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry 
I like sort of trying to <laughs> trying with my eyes say I'm sorry. Anyway, oh, did you find her after the gig? And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but but basically, so I wanted to get back down to the front before the song had finished. But I was like climbing back over, jumped back down off the rail, yeah. onto the ground. I was like, oh, what's that feeling? And basically, the the glass that I'd smashed out of her mouth was on the floor broken but with a huge shard sticking up and I just my foot had just with all my body weight just landed straight on the glass and impaled right up into my foot so I looked down I threw my like really flimsy converse Uh and like pulled the glass out and was like oh that's weird that's a that's not a nice feeling but I was still singing the song Uh and like hobbling back down and as I (laughs) as I got closer and closer to the stage at the front like sort of pushing through the crowd it was quite like a rowdy gig got back up on stage and I remember like lifting up my foot and there was just just this massive line in the bottom of the converse with all this blood pouring through oh my god and I was like I was like oh a bit woozy I was like guys I'm We've still got a couple of songs to play, but can you just give me a minute? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just went off, went off stage, took my shoe off, and it was just like rivers, rivers of blood. So we, so we bound it up and then came back on, did the last couple of songs. And... Fair play to you. Have you ever seen that uh, episode of Alan Partridge where he stands on a spike? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, always, I, I often feel like many, I often feel like many, <coughs> many a moment had mm. on tour with me feels like, feels like the depressingly yeah. partridge. <laughs> it's all right. I, I electrocuted myself as well once on stage in, uh, we were in, where were we? We were in Wales, we were in Cardiff, and I was trying to climb up on the speaker and I grabbed this cable and like, was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And I remember like, I was really confused. The guys were all looking at me really, really, because I was still trying to sing, but I was like, mid. So it must have sounded really weird. Start the, sounding the, like a robot. <laughs> in the front row looking at me like, sort of laughing in my face. And I was like, oh, imagine if this was the last thing I saw before I died. <laughs> like... It's my, how you would have wanted to go. It's how I would have wanted it, being laughed at by a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's now everybody wants to go. Um, but like, obviously, like the songs that you wrote and um, the first release and stuff that you did like did so well and you sold out of all of the, the bits and the, uh, of the, uh, the physical merchandise. And all I mean, there were 300. Yeah, there were yeah. 300. But that's, uh, that's, that was, that's still, at the time, that was amazing. Really, that's still really yeah, yeah, good yeah. for a band. Like, But... What was it like when all the record labels started knocking your door? Did you ever have any they like, didn't. They creepy didn't. A&R guys coming up offering you like yeah. the world? Well, the thing with us, it was, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting to us and literally nobody else. But um, I just want to say, by the way, sorry, going back to the piano thing. So my influences were, I looked up to people who, who had piano as their first instrument. Mm-hmm. So I used to like be obsessed with Anthony and the Johnsons. Um, and I, that's what drew me to like Regina Spector. And even people like Elton. And just, I was never that into Ben Folds 5, but like I... I don't know, I just loved people who used the piano and the voice and storytelling as their as their main thing. So that was initially what it was, but then obviously we deviated a lot. Um we yeah, we we, we were this we were this like odd like you said, like our music straddles different genres and, and it's like innately I like to write kind of memorable melodies. So I think just people in their minds are like, Oh, that's poppy and it like puts loads of people off and you know, when we were starting out, like just nobody we had all these we we put songs online, you know, it was being blogged about. and We and talk about MySpace, SoundCloud? MySpace, MySpace yeah, yeah. yeah. MySpace and SoundCloud, actually, yeah. kind of at the same time. We had, like, the very dying gasps of MySpace. Was where the bit where it, like, it poos the pants at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember putting stuff up on MySpace. I remember, actually, a mate a mate of mine had just launched a new band and and um, and it had got a lot of, you know, literally put stuff up online and then immediately got loads of, like, attention and stuff. So he... I was like, how do you do that? And he was like, I'll just put on my social page. There's all the top friends. And he was like, add, add all, um, like go to your favorite bands that aren't that big yet. And all their top friends are probably like managers and agents and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, that's like, just, smart. Just add all them. I wish like, I had done that. He was, like, he, he was like, it's incredibly boring, but spend a couple of hours doing that. So I was like, oh, okay. Chucked up a couple of demos. 
that I made with Mark, who still produces all of our stuff. Um, and yeah, just did that. Went through, like, added a bunch of people, and then just woke up the next morning and had all these messages being like, "So it worked." Yeah. yeah, it was mad. So that, but that was the first. That's like post Dan Smith. That was the beginning of Bastille. Mm. That's when we we you know we'd been rehearsing and, and and gigging and stuff for a while but that's when we first launched it and the messages started coming through and the zeros on top of the contracts kept getting bigger and bigger, <laughs> well, and bigger no they were, they were not, i mean this, this was that was literally to get like a manager but it took us it took us ages like we you know no one gave a shit like really didn't we 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 were we were making you know we were, we were playing gigs we were touring the country you know it was really fun but it was like we had to borrow a car from our mate's mum the car's the toilet circuit yes yeah, exactly it's toilet circuit we did that but we did that loads like loads and we'd be doing it before like before the Bastille thing we've been doing it low you know a lot but you know crashing on floors playing gigs you know next next like you know our, our when we eventually got a sound guy he lived in one of those um um he lived in Birmingham in like an old disused school that him and his mates were making sure didn't get you know start, uh, like filled with squatters yeah um and we used to stay there because it was like in the middle of the country and go off and do gigs from around there but like literally we were just i was staying on like like a sort of old bloody mattress on the floor oh. like it was pretty it was, yeah. it was pretty with <laughs> nell and i there's 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 but, nothing there's nothing like um that sexy about touring in the early days and you lose <laughs> loads of money doing it as yeah well. yeah i mean if if you can just about break even <laughs> on pe between petrol and getting paid 50 quid you're like yes yeah eating like you know third hand sandwiches from like from like the bin outside of Tesco. What would third hand sandwich be? I don't know. <laughs> God, yeah, I don't. The sandwich that was put in the bin but taken out by somebody else and then given to Half you. Half eaten and then put back in another bin, bin and, and then, then taken out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, so we you know, we were kind of it was this just, just this really odd point where like people were writing about us online, but the the UK press just seems to sort of avidly ignore us. You know, radio wasn't really a thing at the time for us either. Boy, did that change! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we've been lucky. But um, but then you know, and 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 uh, yeah, obviously like no like no TV in terms of like the things that you want for people to know about you. But we were playing these shows and they were filling up and selling out. And you know, we released our first single on a tiny little label called Young and Lost, and we we which which <clears throat> actually launched some amazing people. Um, but we, yeah, we did like a 300 run. It sold out. Like it was this, it was this, it was this slightly odd thing of like, I'm always super negative. I'm never like particularly ambitious with us. I'm always imagine it's going to fall apart tomorrow. But I remember at the time being like, this is so weird. Like, I don't know anything about music. I don't know anything about like it connecting with people or whatever, but it feels like it is. It feels like it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. People are yeah. coming to our gigs. They know that they know the song. They know people the words. are buying your shit they and they're the coming to your shows. It is. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that so what, there was there was never a like labels knocking down doors. It, yeah. it never it never happened. Is that what spurred you on to start your own label? What spurred us on to start our own that, label? That, that was, early that early vibe and telling like those. Well, like, I, th I think I think more more what it was 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 that um, we did it all ourselves. Like you know, we, it, like I, I know everybody does. Everybody does it all themselves to an extent. But like I just love all the details. So like I you know we made our videos, we made our artwork, and and helped design everything, and actually did design everything, and made our flyers, and drove around the country. You know, and that was like it was really fun and exciting doing it and seeing it kind of pay off. And and uh, and and I guess with our album, like you know, we made most of it before we made all all but one song. Uh, before we signed our record deal and, and the demos were you know like 90% there it was just you know, what was the one song that you, you wrote after the demo it's called Bad Blood yeah I know that one yeah. yeah and it was it was kind of half written but yeah we just ended up doing it uh, I just because it, just of timing it came in after they didn't they didn't force you to go in and like write with loads of other people who... well that was a, that was a, that, like when we did speak to label people <coughs> 
um, there was one label that was pushing. They were like, "You're, we like what you do, but we'd want to put you in with lots of other writers yeah. and producers and stuff." And I, I was just like, "I just, I don't want to." And and the one thing, I mean, you've, your songs are pretty good as they are. Like they're fine, but like, <laughs> but 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 that was the thing that was the, what spurred us on to start the label was that like, Bad Blood, the album that we made. Like I wrote it 100% myself. I co-produced it with my mate, and it's played. You know, it's all it's played by me and my friends who are in the band. You know, it's like. The, the four of us, five with Mark, like we made this album that went that like I sound like such a prick, but it sold like millions and millions of yeah, copies. Yeah. And it, yeah. you know, I remember when Pompeii was really big on the radio. It was like, here's a tune that I wrote in my bedroom, produced with my friend. My mates play on it, and the Tequila King guys do some backing vocals on it. And this song is sitting around the world in like the top five alongside songs that have like 30 writers and, and there, five yeah there's no industry and... fine tune on this like you yeah. don't have uh, have that crew that like you know, um i remember seeing beyonce had like 30 people or something on, on her which is which is like it's a different kind of song making you know it, it's that kind of like collage uh like in a good way appropriation of other people's mm. sort of skills and i think there's that you know it's just that's amazing in its own way but i i just remember thinking you know here's this music that's somehow fitting in the pop lane and it's just us like we did it so like let's like if we could do this for us and i'm like the least talented person in the world like let's work with friends of ours who we think are amazing and you know encourage them to do the same thing if we can make this out of a cupboard like smaller than this room in south london if we can make an album that can you know, can can do what that did, which no one was expecting. Like we weren't expecting it. Our label wasn't expecting it. Uh, you know, our, like the media, the media. I think what, stuff what like that scares, media, like scares it, the record industry. I think it scares the music industry. And I think that that's more prevalent now than ever because people are starting to figure out that yeah. they've got the keys themselves. They don't. No, it's they, amazing. They it's, need... it's such an exciting time now because it's it's flipped. Like, but whereas before you know it was hard to it was tricky to press cds and like you know distribution was like a faff and all that yeah, stuff like, like how do you get into hmv back in the day like yeah, 15 well, like, years ago you know but even on like even on like itunes and stuff like now now you know you can make something in your bedroom you can like, you can have it up on spotify you know well spotify are now doing direct yeah yeah you, you can actually go and upload it yourself to spotify without having to go through exactly so it's this it's this like brilliant democratization and and uh it's just flipped everything and and so these are like really interesting there's more artists making a living out of music now than I can ever remember that I know personally yeah yeah it's brilliant and they're, and they're, it? they're, it's and, so brilliant. and there are people who five ten years ago wouldn't have sold ten copies because their music fits really well and maybe on a certain playlist or uh, as part of a certain vibe and because of that it gets played a couple of different places and then they end up with like two three million hits which is like about five thousand dollars five thousand pounds i'm not sure i can't remember how much it is but then that sustains them to be able to go on ahead and do other things i was chatting to like a 17 no 18 year old artist at uh, icmp which is a college in london and they had put money into their first ep that they got a lend off and had broke even so on their good. first ep and i was so like good. what the fuck what are you asking me for advice for i need no, to be so asking good. you it's so good yeah and it's and i think it does scare people because it's such a sea change in how how people find music, how they consume it, how they make it. Like it's interesting that just the idea of a big fancy recording studio is is something that feels antiquated. Yeah, know? big time. Well, like so, we've got the sort of idea of like where music is going in 2018 and how you get it out there. But what do you think of the sort of state of pop music in 2018? Where's your head at with that? Are you enjoying where sort of pop music and mainstream pop is? I don't moment? know. I can't. I guess I sort of float in and out of it. Like I. 
well, you're 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 a massive part of it. Like even at the moment, like uh, this, I'm not sure when this will come out, but like I know, you know, the track you're doing with Marshmallow is absolutely huge at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah apparently, which is wicked. Yeah, I, I had a look earlier on. It's like yeah, it's it's. Like, I'm not I'm not one for numbers, but I was like, right, this is I'm hearing this everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like I know I work at Radio One, but I mean, like I'm driving about, I'm in shops, and I'm hearing it everywhere. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, this is the song. It's, the, it's it's so it's so interesting. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what happens. I think if you do some marshmallow, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, I think what's I'm I'm not I'm not an expert. I'm by no means know anything about anything. But from from as a, as a sort of passive outsider, you know. It, What's fascinating with pop music at the moment is that there are so many massive, huge producer artists that allow for other songwriters to come in. You know, like all the all the jobbing songwriters who are out there every day working on songs, pitching them to people. You know, there's a kind of amazing outlet for them to work with huge, huge producers who have these huge platforms and other other vocalists as well. Mm. So it's 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 kind of like I don't know. I I was too young in the nineties to be aware of it, but I think of all those songs from the nineties. You know, like like the rhythm of the nights of the world and like, and, and well, I don't know. I what is I, love? Yeah, what is love? Like yeah. that, well, that's Hadaway, but like <clears throat> there are all those massive tunes for the nights that you actually don't know who they're by. They're, and, and it could have been an incredible vocal, but it would be the producer that was, I think we're, we've sort of come full circle and maybe we've been there for a while, but you know, there's the getters, there's the, there's the marshmallows of the world. There's like, there's so many, um, obviously the Calvin Harris's and, 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 and it goes on like Loud Luxury like you name it there's just all of these artists that are producers with these huge songs and but some, some huge... of them might have careers some of them might have like one or two singles you know it was it, even with like you know even with big artists that were coming out at the same time as us like Disclosure and Rudimental like they are they very much do their own thing but one of the things they also do very like Clean Bandit like they they yeah. tap into they tap into the songwriting world obviously they do a lot of songwriting themselves but they tap into the songwriting world and they tap into like existing artists and new artists that are coming up and it's it's such an interesting way that that almost has become like the A&R process I think there was a point a while ago where it felt like it felt like I imagine if you're a major label and you're like, fuck, how are we going to break this new person with this amazing voice, but no one knows who they are yet. You'd be like, let's try and get them on on a X track y, by a producer. I feel like now what's really interesting, there's a whole other generation that's coming off the back of what you were just talking about with, with Spotify, with people, uh, with the power shifting of the people like Julia Michaels and all these different, yeah. all these different songwriters who've come up, I think in the States, but also here as well. Like there's a whole crop of them who I think also are about to emerge of people who like cut their teeth writing you know they they study pop music they listen to pop music you know we all grow up with it but they're like i can fucking do this you, you, and they and they become like really successful pop writers who've had a few like huge international cuts and then they'll emerge like when when they're ready with the songs they want they'll emerge as an artist out the back of it and i think it's it's almost like in the songwriting world and which i'm which i'm coming to learn about like loads more because bearing in mind because you're doing a lot of writing outside of um, yeah yeah which is really which well. is really fun but like i you know i naively like wandered into the music industry being like everybody writes their own songs you know so for, I, but for, everybody thinks i don't know i thought that yeah when i came in and uh, I, I didn't even know that i didn't even know like what a writing see, session was or what, behind like, the a, curtain. a writing camp or any of that stuff and like yeah. and there is artistry in there and there's value to it and it's it's amazing and it's in, within its own world it's quite a small community and it's 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 brilliant these people just Everyone who who works in it is just obsessed with songs. Have just... you been on any of those camps? Because I know those big artists, people like Madonna and people like off that ilk, and even like up to the sort of states of like you know Kanye West and stuff. They'll have a private camp where they'll have their own people mm -hmm. in. 
Have you ever been like invited on one of those like really sort of big massive artists? I've been invited on a few. I've, I've you know, we're lucky enough to be quite busy, so I've, I've actually never been able to go on one. But I really want to. They sound wicked. Like who, who invited you? Um, I'd rather not say. No, okay. I know. Sorry, that's really boring. But but just just because <laughs> I didn't do it, and I'm gutted. <laughs> you know, I have to ask. The people, <laughs> yeah. people will be screaming at me. But they going. do them all the time. Like it's 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 so common, and it sounds. I guess it probably sounds like the most obscure thing in the world, but it is essentially just let's get a load of people who every day wake up and want to write songs mm. in a bunch of rooms together all like sharing their expertise and kind of yeah i don't know it's, it's fascinating for me like i i want to get into songwriting in a big way and I've, I've you know i've been doing a lot of it that's where that marshmallow song came from like you know i've been lucky enough to write with like tears for fears and like and from people write from tears for fears through to like through to like marshmallow and, and some of the bigger pop writers and, and loads of artists and and uh you know and like one direction and like lots of different people but uh-huh. it's uh it's fascinating for me because I always feel like I didn't like study pop or train. I go on like what feels good to me and what melodies like make you feel that thing in your chest that makes you think you like a song. You yeah. Um, so it's always interesting. I just, you know, this whole thing for me is one big, bizarre, surreal learning curve. <laughs> it's a big experiment. Like I just, I just got back from, I just got back from the States. We did, we had, we did a bunch of shows and played some festivals and I mm-hmm. stayed out for the next three days and did some writing. And, 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 and one day, I was, I spent the days these two days with this with this kind of big classic like classic sort of indie producer who was wicked but the tone of it was quite like we're gonna write a song and you know and and then and then in like what's that song about in uh and then in the evening I went to like Post Malone's management company have have a couple of studios and they do all the post stuff and like loads of out of that building has come loads of stuff from like like the Kanye records and the Drake records and like your loads of, tattoos are looking pretty good as well thanks mate yeah, cheers I've, I was pretty proud of them. Um, yeah, so sort of went there and did like a session with, you know, with the guy that produces most of the post stuff and and you know and 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 a lot of like Khalid stuff as well and and then this other pop writer guy who just done like Havana and you know, like loads of massive tunes and and the tone of that was like so a million miles away. It was like I don't know. It was it was quite like broy. I feel like I feel like it was quite like hedonistic and it was it was just for me. I was sort of wondering. I'm like, hello, I'm Dan. How you doing? Like I'm like I'm not. I'm like the least. Do you want to cool pop person. a bottle? Yeah, do you know what I mean. Like, anybody got a bottle of Evian? Yeah, um, no, but, sparkling because I'm <laughs> because I'm having I'm on one. Uh, they don't do sparkling Evian actually. Do they? Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, <laughs> fuck, I've got no idea. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's just. Uh, but that's like. But that's, I feel like musically you can do that, but maybe the culture is doesn't lend itself. Maybe you're just like you. You I don't feel like you're like that. One of those bros that would sit around and like talk shit. Like like. No, I'm not. But it's quite. But it's quite fun. It's quite fun, like helicoptering in into that world yeah. for a minute, and and actually we got a really good song out of it, you know, and, and like who knows that might go on to be, you know, that that song might do well, and it might for someone else, and it might be like a weird part of my life. I, but that's the thing that's so fascinating. Like I, it, I'm I'm not articulating myself very well, but it's it's so interesting for me coming from this coming from this world of like wanting to make records like pretty much with a small handful of people that I know really well. And they've done all right, and we want to, you know, want to, we want to grow and develop, but we want to keep doing that. Um, and then also, then sort of having a little bit of an insight into this mad, just a mad sort of like machinations of the of the music industry and how it how it turns and all the little bits to keep it afloat. I don't know. I've got two more questions to ask okay. you, and I'm not going to ask you about um, shaving your head because that's a really pointless question. You just decided you wanted to have a haircut, uh-huh. I'd imagine. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, 
yeah the, the the new the new record right because i don't know when this is going to come out so it probably will be out by this stage that this is out i think yeah was it recorded in an old porn studio yeah te- technically yes yeah yeah we um so we yeah we set up this label a few years ago and then and like i i, I kind of I, I vaguely mentioned the studio we used to work in which i love so much but it was it was underneath this estate in south london and it was in this community workspace so it was just a network of corridors and our actual studio was pretty small pretty low ceiling no natural light you know no air and we used to you know if you wanted to get in and the drum kit was set up you had to like sort of wedge the door open, climb over the kit. To get Suck your belly in. Yeah, totally. And it was wicked. It was really fun. But like, you know, we'd have all these like, eventually we'd have all these sort of bands and pop people come down to work with us and they'd just be like, oh, where's the studio? We're like, this is it. This is the studio. Um, and so eventually we were like, I don't know, if we, we gave ourselves like five, six years there and we're eventually like, we spend most of our life down here, <laughs> not on tour. It would be nice to be somewhere like a little bit more comfortable. So we found this, eventually found this little building um, and it was like an it was like an empty office and we converted it and then just speaking to the guys that we got it off they were sort of saying that it had been an office for a year and before that it had been a porn studio and um i met someone how much slap is on that i met someone yeah, a lot <laughs> <laughs> i met someone who's played football around there and they were like yeah i can confirm yeah the guy in my team was uh was a photographer there it definitely was I suppose so, it does qualify wonder, as a photographer, really. Like, <laughs> I'm a cameraman. I'm a cameraman. What, what, what cameraman for what? Um, for porn. <laughs> so yeah. So um, in the old days of Radio One in their old building, if you're holding the, it was uh, that basement. Yeah, yeah, it was next door to Babe Station. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. If those walls could talk, eh? Um, yeah. So basically, we 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 made us we made we built a studio, which feels like going back on what I said before potentially quite irrelevant in this day and age but I think it was more about it wasn't about having somewhere fancy it was about like right I'm hopefully going to get to do this for another few years and it'd be nice to be in a a space that we have some control over and that people want to come down to like we want to do our version of whatever a writing camp is you know if we're working with a new artist and helping develop them have a you know have them they can come in and have one session in one room and one session in another and wander through like because sometimes when you're writing like you do need to focus on something but other times it's nice to sort of have a few things on the go and pop between. Yeah, and it's it's nice to have somewhere to relax and just play FIFA or like totally, get, yeah, or just like, get, like get, a, get out of that sort of mind frame for a little bit. There's a there's a there's an attic room with like a dodgy mural and beanbags and people can chill out there. I wanted the kitchen to basically feel like a house, so like it's it's the whole point of it is it's like yeah, I just want to be as comfortable and uh, and relaxed as possible. And, you know, so which is which is great. So it means that, like you know we recorded our album there. Uh, Mark produced an album for like the Wombats there. Uh, Rag and Bowman's making his record there at the moment, which is which is wicked, and um, you know that's where Rationale records. And all, all the people that we work with, all the people like within our sphere, this girl Kianja, we just made a mixtape there. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really fun. It's like, yeah, I, I I feel it's it's the only thing I've really done with the band having done well was sort of make that studio, and it's just a really nice. It's the new Abbey Road. Wait, it's definitely not. <laughs> you <laughs> okay. feel like you're going to get murdered. You go down this alleyway, and everyone gets there. They're like, uh oh. Yeah. But then you walk in, and you don't get murdered. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Dan, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out to uh, chat on the podcast. I'm so sorry for talking the utmost amount of shite. Oh my god, it's just because my questions were rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank. No, honestly, thank you very much, and thanks for bringing that demo in as well. Oh no worries. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Tiger Slacker Podcast
Thank you very much to Dan from Bastille for spending one hour of his time with me. It's like community service, isn't it? Judges uh, should like arrest you know musicians that get caught with uh, drugs or whatever. Whatever happens to them at a court, they have to do one hour community service where they have to sit down and chat to me on the podcast. Guarantee they will never ever reoffend. Not saying that Dan from Bastille is an offender. He has not done anything wrong. I cannot state that enough, people. Um, but honestly, like Dan from Bastille, what a legend. Um, if you enjoyed that, it'd be great if you could subscribe to the podcast. You'll get it in your inbox every single Wednesday. And maybe write a little review of it as well, if you liked it. Do you know what? If you didn't like it, and you were like, this is such a heap of shite, then fair play to you for making it to the end, number one. Uh, number two, don't, maybe don't write a review. Hey, thanks to um, the fella Bobby Bollock Breath. Uh, that's his, actually his username, for real, um, for the review um, from last week's episode. You're right, Bobby Bollock Breath. I do say like too much. And I've known that for ages, but hey, we're all human. And it would take me probably about five hours to edit out every single like. I'll work on that. Thank you very much for your input, Mr. Bobby Bollock Breath. Uh, if you've got any questions or guest suggestions for next week, feel free to tweet me at Philly Tiger or hit me up on Instagram as well. Um, some of the questions that we've got for this week's episode. Uh, GVA Plane Spotting says he wants me to get Loyal Carner, James Blake, Everything Everything or Dodie on. I can confidently say one of those is booked for a couple of weeks' time to record. I'm not sure when it's going to go out. And the rest of those suggestions are really is. I'd love to get Loyal Carner on. I'd love to get James Blake on. I'd love to get everything, everything on. They're, such, they're all really good. Actually, Giselle wants me to get James Blake on as well. Sam says he wants me to get Parcels on. Aoife, um, a friend of mine that I we hung about in Croatia when I was on my honeymoon. It sounds weird when you're like saying you're hanging about with another girl on honeymoon that's other than your wife. It's alright, my wife was there as well. Aoife wants me to get Oprah Winfrey on, which uh, Aoife, if you could sort that out, I don't I don't have an in there. Uh, I'd be very happy to get Oprah on. Although I don't know if Oprah was ever in a band, which means that she wouldn't have a demo to talk about. <laughs> Do you know what? We make an exception for Oprah. And maybe John Travolta as well, because New Atlas, who um, DM me on Instagram, wants me to get John Travolta on. I'd love to get John Travolta on. We could talk about so many different things. I'd talk about planes. I'd spend the whole time looking at his head. Do you know? Because like, he wears different wigs all the time. And sometimes I'm thinking, is it a hair transplant? Is it a wig? That's one thing about me is I'm I, I'm really obsessed. And I only got this when I moved to London. Really obsessed with like hair pieces and wigs and stuff. Because when you're in the London underground... You can see people who've had work done, and I'm just like sort of standing over them, going, eh, "That's a hairpiece. No, that's a hair transplant. No, that's a wig. Don't know what it is. It's a really weird thing." Um, one of the other questions I've got from Scottish lad that is his username: What is the dream band lineup? A dream band lineup should be a lineup of musicians that will complement the other, so that the actual band together will sound incredible. And sometimes it's hard to like find that without a group of people who played together for a long time. Like you know, like you could couldn't imagine putting anybody else into Led Zeppelin to making them better. You couldn't imagine putting anybody into the Smiths or the Clash or something like that to make them better. So I've decided to go the absolute opposite way and just pick my favorite people in their specific instrument or vocal. Now I'm going to say it, but this band together would sound like the worst band ever. 
Vocals, Diana Ross. Vocals, Freddie Mercury. On bass, Andy Rourke from The Smiths. On piano, Tom York from Radiohead. Rhythm guitar, Mick Jones from The Clash. Lead guitar, John Squire from The Stone Roses. Doing all the remixes, I would have Kate Renata and have the MC as Fife Dog. I mean, <laughs> imagine having like, yeah, Freddie Mercury, Fife Dog and John Squire and Kate Renata in the same band. I'll have a lot of egos in there as well. Yeah, so that band would sound like Dog Turd, but uh, th- yeah, that's a really bad answer to your question, Scottish lad. Probably should have spent more time on it. If you've got any more questions, you know what to do. Um, next week, we have the prodigious talent that is Declan McKenna. Uh, he's got all the the writers. He really does. Like He could be his generation's David Bowie. I know that sounds like big words, but really, he's on his first album. He's done his first album. He's on his second album, but like everything he does is just incredible. He's well tuned in to his fan base. He's well tuned in to pop music in general. And he's a really, really, really smart kid. Um, so, yeah, we talk to him next Wednesday uh, on the Slacker podcast. If you subscribe now, it'll be in your inbox when you wake up on Wednesday morning. Much love to all of you Slackers. I am done. I will see you next week. Phil Tiger, Slacker Podcast. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.